Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard For loading and unloading only, it's episode number 60 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's most frequently banned Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as per usual is the man with the plan, Liam O'Donnell. How are things, Liam? Uh, waka waka? Liam, I wanted to point out the fact that I just emphasized the word fucking very hard in the intro to our show. Yeah, you did. Um, I believe that has something to do with something that I also discovered, mm. which is that um, it turns out iTunes does not like curse words. Like they this this kind of took me by surprise. I thought as long as I set up the podcast as being explicit, that we could say the word fucking and we could have the word fucking in our title, and you know, generally in our descriptions, we could have the word fucking again and again and again. However. No, that wasn't the case. 59 episodes into our podcast, uh, we were taken off the iTunes podcast directory, Liam. Yeah, I ran into the same problem with um, friend of the show, former guest, uh, Brendan Foley's podcast, Black Sun Dispatches, right. which was entirely curse word free until the very end, had one little shit, and they wouldn't do it because of that. Yeah, and of course, our show is, look... Part of the humor of the show is that both Liam and myself have potty mouths. Isn't that right, Liam? Oh, yeah. I fucking fuck a, the shit with the fucking cocks, you he, know? He does. He fucks the shit with the fucking cocks. Everyone knows it. Um, uh, well, yeah. But, but because we're such a potty mouth, this is, it never even crossed my mind that that could have been the reason. Actually, I, I'll take that back. I did think that maybe having a swear word in the logo would, would be a contributing factor since we do. Um, sure. I didn't think that – but because we actually self-censored the title of the show itself, I just didn't consider that to be a problem. But we have had to go back – and when I say we, I mean I – have had to go back and wipe all of our descriptions of the word fucking entirely. That seems like a lot of work, which is why I'm glad that this is your podcast and not mine. I, in retrospect, I shouldn't have referred to David Mamet in our most recent episode as David fucking Mamet in the in the uh, description because that was one of the things I missed and meant that I had another back and forth with the uh, to to the credit of iTunes, they were able to uh, not really give me much detail, but be very much like you still haven't gotten it, keep doing it, and then let us know <laughs> until I finally cleaned it up enough to allow us to be back on iTunes, which as of today. Um, should hopefully be the case. What's weird is they didn't figure out that um, you write your sentences in such a way in the description so that if you put the first word, uh, the first letter of each word, mm -hmm. uh, the first sentence, it uh, it spells cock blaster every time, over yeah. and over again. Cock blaster. It, it's actually, it's it's Steve Jobs is a cock blaster. <laughs> uh, layers on layers, man. All right, Liam, you got to, okay, shut, shut it. You can find our guest today's work on Modern Vinyl, Starburst Magazine, on the Cinepunks website. I've heard of that before, Liam. He's also the host of the From and Inspired By podcast. It's Nick Spacek. Did I get that last name right, Nick? Yes. Great. I, you know, I, I checked with Liam beforehand, and then I suddenly had a crisis of confidence in thinking that I completely messed it up. Nick, welcome to Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. 
Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's you know, Nick, tell me about from and inspired by. This is some sort of music podcast. It is. It's a uh, podcast about mm, soundtracks and the people who make them. Ideally, uh, where we talk about people who have songs in movies or TV shows or help make music happen for movies and TV shows and. It's a it's a lot of fun. Uh, there has actually not been an episode this week because I have been sick. Yet I somehow seem to have figured out a way to uh-huh. not record my podcast, but do <laughs> three other ones. When I it's it's the way it works. It's a lot easier to just sit and talk than it is to edit things, as I'm sure you're aware. Very very aware of Nick. Though I have a question for you now, knowing what your podcast is about. Actually, I have two questions, or I have one question, and it's in two parts. The first part is, what would you consider the finest film score? The finest film score? I would say that uh, Duke Ellington's Anatomy of a Murder. Ooh, and second part, what is the finest song ever recorded for a movie? Uh, that would be You're the Best Around by Joe Bean Esposito. Now, that is, that's an interesting answer, and it's one that I don't necessarily disagree with, but I'm going to throw another one out at you. And the one I'm going to throw at you is from Stubble Field and Hall. It's from the movie Best of the Best. It's a song called The Best of the Best. What do you think? I would, I would agree with that. That is actually the first Eric Roberts movie I ever saw. Now, you know what? It seems like this is a very interesting thing to me. A lot of people, when they think of Eric Roberts, they connect him to best of the best. Is that the role that you most connect him with, Nick? I would say it's either that or strangely the the role he had in uh, Dark Knight. Oh, really? Yeah. You know what? That's another big one. Now, is that now was the best of the best the first time that you remember seeing Eric Roberts in a movie? It's the first time I knew who Eric Roberts was. Um yeah, Best of the Best was, like, I think for me, like, one of those movies, uh, like, when my parents would let my brother and I rent movies, mm-hmm. when they would, like, go do parent stuff, and we'd stay at home, and then they'd give us, like, 20 bucks to order a pizza, but they'd take us to the video store that, beforehand, it would always be things like Best of the Best, or Commando, <laughs> or uh, Bloodsport, um, like, a lot of bad like late 80s early 90s action films like that whole um like jean-claude van damme uh arnold schwarzenegger uh oeuvre i got a lot of michael dudikoff when i was a kid as well i you know see that wasn't like my thing like uh i think we were we were a little mainstream although strangely i think our horror selections like i probably have seen popcorn more times (laughs) than i have seen like nightmare on elm street that's fucked up that's pretty fucked up but it's pretty great as well liam i gotta pull you into the conversation for a second here yesterday i was in the shower oh this sounds like the part of the conversation i want to be in tell me i was i was in the shower and i was thinking about eric roberts as i usually do oh yeah baby and i started to think and i really want to get both of your thoughts on this i think best of the best kind of fucked up Eric Roberts' career because it changed how a certain audience thought of him as an actor. Because before that, he didn't really do any action roles. And, you know, it's hard to think of Eric Roberts of The Pope of Greenwich Village or Runaway Train in in something like The Expendables, right? Being, being kind of connected to that group of people or, say, Dead or Alive, like those kind of movies. But I think for a certain age group and a certain audience, they think of him as this action movie star where for, for us, Liam, we see him as so much more... Uh, dimensional than that. Would you agree with that, Liam? 
I think the thing about Best of the Best is that um, it came at a time where it seems like his star was maybe ready to recede a little bit, you know, with Julia sort of coming out and his role, you know, he wasn't getting the same sort of prestige roles. And with Best of the Best, he gets a shitload of attention for a role that asks, it seems to me, a lot less of him and sort of gives him this certain kind of image that I don't think it was just the audience then put on him. I think he embraced it. I think it was like his feeling was like, this is who I am now. And I, it's not like he was trying to do both. He didn't really choose for a while, at least that many roles that felt like some of his earlier work after best of the best. So I, I do think it, it at least marked a change in his career, Mm. but I don't know that it typecast him. I think it just showed him a way to like, like a different career path that I think was maybe not the right career path for him. Nick, when you think of Eric Roberts, do you think of him as an action man? Mm, I don't really think of him as an action man so much as I think of him as a heavy. Ah, now when you say heavy, you mean heavy in the old school Hollywood style, someone who's, who's kind of, prompting the action as a bad guy yes so so like his role in the dark knight yes very much so uh or uh i'm trying to think of uh other things like we're just like uh as like a like a like a mobster i think would yeah so definitely yeah like the dark knight you know it's kind of funny nick that the two selections that we're going to be talking about today uh they feature him in roles that are very very different than the heavy that maybe you pictured him as I would agree, but he also seems very much like you can't take the Eric Roberts out of it. (laughs) We'll get to that in just a little bit. But before we talk about these great Eric Roberts projects, we need to take a look at the latest Eric Roberts news on the Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 60 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And uh, as per usual, uh, actually, you know what? Before we get into the Eric Roberts Twitter feed, I do want to remind people that you can now purchase Eric Roberts is the fucking man t-shirts on the ericrobertsistheman.com website. Why don't you go over and get one for all of your friends and family? There's a very limited supply, uh, but they are there. They can be mailed out. Liam, I sent a shirt to my brother in Newfoundland. Sure. The shipping cost, the cheapest one that was available, was $17. Isn't that within your own country? Within my own country. When I sent one outside of the country to the United States, $8. I mean, $8 is still a lot. It's still a lot. But the mail system, we know it. You know it. It's fucked. Hopefully that guy you got in the White House is going to correct (laughs) <laughs> oh i'm sure it'll be it's on the list it'll be i think just just after he bombs north korea into uh non-existence he'll then fix the post office but anyway it, it was uh, awfully expensive so if you're in canada yeah you're getting a pretty good deal because i thought boy i thought for sure that it was going to be less to send within my own country but aside from that uh, if you do want to pick up an Eric Roberts is the fucking man shirt and you don't want to order through the site, you can, of course, attend the Cinepocalypse event in Chicago, Liam. Yep. We should have shirts as well as um, some. I think we're going to do a button set Buttons. and there's going to be some other uh, fun items, fun items. Now, Liam, I don't even know what fun items you might be referring to there. 
Well, we're working with uh, Cinepunk sponsors, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Mm -hmm. And I basically told them, like, we need limited items to be sold only at this event that people will want to give us money for. So they're working on sort of like a merch package um, that they have not gotten back to me because Chris Reject sucks. So once Chris Reject gets off his fucking lazy ass... Mm. Uh, living very, in the fucking very, Lehigh very Valley. aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this. you got to remember, this is our, you know, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations is the official sponsor of Cinepunks. And yet every time we record an episode, Justin has to talk about how the head of the company, Chris Reject, is not straight edge. And he just makes fun of him <laughs> all the time. And it's ridiculous. Now, I want to talk about being straight edge for a second, Liam. Nick, are you straight edge? <laughs> Decidedly not. Yes, no, no, nor am I. Uh, but, but Liam is very... Uh, uh, passionately edge. Isn't that right, Liam? <laughs> I mean, I don't think most uh, of my fellow uh, edge folks would mm-hmm. necessarily describe Edgeheads? me as passionate. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say edgeman because that feels uh, unfairly gendered. Now, <laughs> Liam, answer me this. Sure. Have you at any time had the letter X drawn on your hands? Oh, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, have you ever had that done while listening to hardcore punk music? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Were you at the same time making judgy eyes at someone drinking a Diet Pepsi? <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> okay, so you know that that sounds that sounds fine. Anyway, we love Lehigh Valley Creations, who of course uh, put the the wonderful effort into creating our uh, Eric Roberts is the fucking man merch. And yes, you can purchase that through the website or at the Cinepocalypse event, which both Liam and I are very, very enthused about. Isn't that Liam? Isn't that Liam? Jesus. Isn't that right, Liam? (laughs) Yep. Very enthused. Uh, I'm hoping that we'll have koozies. I'm a – I don't know about you, Liam, but I'm starting to feel terrified. (laughs) Uh, Like legitimately scared about how this is all going to go down and uh, whether we're going to embarrass ourselves in front of Eric Roberts. I mean, I assume we will, but I'm okay with that. Nick, if you had to ask one question to the actor Eric Roberts, what would that question be? Oh, God. I know. It's a lot of pressure. I'm so sorry. That's a lot of pressure. Um... Don't ask about Julia. That is one thing that I know. It'll probably be like your daughter plays a bitch so well. Is that based out of reality at all? Oh, my goodness. I feel like he would not take well to us kind of tangentially calling his daughter a bitch. She does a really good job of it, though. It's acting. It's it's. Look, try acting, as as Lawrence Olivier once said to Dustin Hoffman. Uh, so uh, I don't know what that necessarily has to do with Eric Roberts' daughter. You know, Liam, uh, I... Yeah, sorry, please continue. Oh, no, I was going to say perhaps it would be better phrased as what is it like being part of uh, an acting uh, clan? Do you have, uh, like, meetups with the Barrymores? Liam, what questions should we ask Eric Roberts? Well, I mean... Uh... All of my questions tend to revolve around um, Runaway Train, King of the Gypsies. Boring. And, of course, Dark Moon Rising. Okay. Well, as long as we got one of the three, which is going to make me interested, I will remain engaged in the, in the interview. Um, what is the date of that event again, Liam? <laughs> it's right here on the on the screen in front of you. 
Oh, I'm not even looking at it. We will uh, be recording a live episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man at the Cinepocalypse Festival at the Music Box Theater in Chicago on November 5th at noon. At noon, we are going to be recording 90 minutes with Eric Roberts. We can ask him any question we want. There are no limits, no borders. <laughs> we don't know if that's true, but we've been saying it for several episodes. Or more accurately, I've been saying it, Liam. Yeah, I refuse to commit to anything other than that me, you, and Eric Roberts will be in a room together, and there might be koozies. Those are the things I'm willing to confirm. We're going we're to get to hug Eric Roberts. What do you think? <laughs> I'd settle for a high five. All right. Well, we'll see. But anyway, keep your eyes out for more news about that. <clears throat> As per usual, we are going to start the Roberts Report by spending a little time with the man himself on his Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts at Eric Roberts, all one word. Uh, this time, we have a very rare thing on the Eric Roberts Twitter feed, an Eric Roberts Movie Minute. He does a review, Liam and Nick, of the film The Mountain Between Us, I think it's called, with Idris Elba and Kate Winslet. Um, <laughs> his he saw the film uh, just a, just a day or so ago, and he his response was, "This was a badly needed great movie." At Mountain Between, loved every minute. Uh, Nick, starting with you, have you seen this film, The Mountain Between Us? I have not. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I. I <laughs> I have no idea what this movie is called. I just know that I saw a trailer for it and just pretty much was like, uh, no. It is indeed called The Mountain Between Us. And I was right about the two stars, too. Liam, have you checked out The Mountain Between Us? I've seen the trailer. Um, and honestly, like, uh, it doesn't look like the kind of movie I'm usually into. But I have a real thing for uh, Idris Elba, so I might watch it anyway. It's actually rather timely for this episode because I believe it involves a plane crash, Liam. Oh, that's true. I believe it does as well. And, you know, it's it, it feels like a, like an, not an adventure movie, but, mm -hmm. you survival. know. Survival. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like I don't The Grey, right? <laughs> I don't, that's the thing. I don't think it's like The Grey. I think, <laughs> if I it, think if it, it is, was, though. Like, if it was like the gray, I might actually want to watch it because I'd love to see Idris Elba fight some wolves. Nick Svacek, when you think of Idris Elba, what's the first role that comes to mind? Um, I really want to say his probably either Luther or Pacific Rim. And Liam, I'm going to turn to you. What is the role that you most connect Idris Elba with? <laughs> Dark Tower, of course. Who doesn't? Jeez. Of course. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, definitely. I mean... It's it's actually a shame because I it's hard for me to see Pat him past Luther, even though I fell in love with the wire long yeah, before Stringer Luther. Bell. That's what I thought you were gonna say. Well, and it should be, but now Luther's burned itself so into my brain that when I see him in movies, I think of him as Luther now. It's it's weird. Isn't it sad that I, you said the Dark Tower and it was like a joke because that movie is apparently so bad? I mean, I've I started watching it just to like check it out, like give it a chance. I'm not a fan of the book, so it's not going to ruin anything for me as far as the books. And, you know, I'm, I've only watched half of it, and so far it's it's not great. On October 14th, someone tweeted at Eric Roberts in regards to uh, some cat photos he posted. Lindsay, at cats underscore in underscore cradles, tweeted, How sweet, you foster kittens? Question mark. And Eric Roberts stated, The beautiful part is when they go to their forever homes. Nick, are you a pet owner? 
I I own four cats, and I also volunteer taking photos of cats at our local humane society. So this is everything to me. He, you know, Eric Roberts loves cats. He has a shitload of them. One named Stevie, and one named Wonder, and also one that's blind. That is neither of those two cats. What are your four cats' names? They are named Mouse, Stealth, Busy, and Bella. That's those are very good names. Now, Liam, you don't have a cat. I have two cats, actually, you dickwad. And how are they doing? Do they feel... I have a question for you, Liam. Now yeah, that sure. you have a daughter, a young daughter, yeah. do you feel like that you're not spending as much time uh, uh, doting on your two cats? One of my cats feels that way, and she lets me know that um, this new little crying thing is taking me away from her, and she's not happy about it. The other cat kind of came to us right around the time that Maeve was born anyway. Uh-huh. So they're kind of used to each other. And in fact, she's she is cautiously friendly with the baby, but she's realized that if Maeve grabs her, it will be not a nice experience because Maeve doesn't quite understand petting over squeezing yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do feel like at, at least the older cat, she needs more attention sometimes than I'm able to give. Um, which is not why I got cats. I got cats because I thought they would take care of themselves and I could ignore them, but nope. Have you heard of that thing, Liam, where cats will crawl into the crib of a young child and will sleep on the child's face and then it will kill the child? I mean, that sounds like a thing that uh, people Mm -hmm. have said in the past. I don't know about that. I do know that when I was in uh, fifth grade, I woke up with my cat on my face Uh and that was that was not a fun experience at all because when I tried to remove uh, it wasn't my cat; it was my parents' cat. Mm-hmm. From my face, the cat would dig the claws into my face to be like, "No, I want to be here." Okay, and that wasn't great. Okay, Liam, this actually begs a couple of questions. One: Why did you refer to the cat as your parents' cat and not yours? Because it wasn't my cat. What does that mean? It was a family cat. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I guess until I got. Um, the first pet that I chose, huh. I didn't think of pets in my house as my pet. That's I thought of them as, as like my mom's pet. I don't know. So like, I, I guess because all the pets, it, it also is because all the pets in the house before I chose my first pet were alive before me. They were oh, there first okay. and they were just, they were just part of the house. Like, so I didn't really, I mean, I love this cat's name was Tartar oh. and I love Tartar. Tartar is great, but I always thought of Tartar as my mom's cat, not as like my cat. What an irritating name to say. Anyway, I know exactly what you're talking about. I feel a much deeper connection with my three cats and one dog that I have now in this apartment that I really ever had with pets growing up, mostly because, you know, they came into my life, and like I had the choice of whether to accept them or not, and of course I'm a I'm a, a deep animal lover. I certainly wouldn't have a child, which would take precedence over them. That feels a little uh, insulting. Um, Nick, back over to you for a second. Yes, you, you have four cats, but no dog. What's that all about? Um, my wife is screamingly allergic to dogs, mm. so she would scream at you if you brought a dog in because of the fact it would probably kill her. Uh, yes, uh, there have been issues at other places we've been to (laughs) (laughs) sounds like sounds like there's a story there i shouldn't dive into nick have you Uh, ever seen a movie called stalked by my doctor no now stalked by my doctor is a film that was on the lifetime network a couple of years back and it starred eric roberts as the titular doctor and he was stalking a young woman and i gotta tell you nick it's a great movie it's a lot of fun it's full of campy goodness and then they made a sequel called stalked by my doctor the return which i believe just came out last year and it wasn't quite as good 
But if you are someone who is the kind of person that you watches Lifetime movies on a regular basis, you've probably had an opportunity to watch Stalked by My Doctor a lot because they've been kind of showing it a lot lately. And the reason, Nick, is because they're in the process of making Stalked by My Doctor 3 with Eric Roberts. Now, if you had the opportunity to watch three movies, Stock by, Stock by My Doctor, Stock by My Doctor The Return, Stock by My Doctor 3, uh, and you had nothing to do for the rest of, after, rest of the afternoon, how does that sound to you? I would watch that. All right. Are you excited about that, Liam? Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want from me, Doug? Elaboration. Sometimes I feel like that this isn't a host-co-host relationship. You just happen to be a guest that I keep inviting back again and again. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like you want this to be Opie and Anthony, and I feel like this is the Howard Stern show, and I'm just one of the assholes in the background. Uh. It's well. It is like Open Anthony in that you have dangerous right wing political views that we, we, we get to over and over no, again. I thought you were the one with the dangerous way. Oh no! Uh, I've been playing uh, the I'm, wrong I'm, character this whole time. I'm Jim Norton, so I I'm only going to talk about my. <laughs> no, I I I mean, I think we've documented many times on numerous episodes to the point of nauseam for our audience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how much we love Stalked by My Doctor and how ambivalent I am on Stalked by My Doctor The Return, a movie that manages to miss what are very easy charms yes, of the first that's movie. That's true. That's true. I hope, I hope the third one is a return to form. My concern is that they do not realize the creators of the series, that they have to make a return to form. <laughs> I, I sometimes they, worry that they kind of struck uh, accidental gold with the first one. If they uh, if they include even one more American Girl doll for uh, Eric Roberts to rip apart, that will already be a step in the right direction. A couple days ago, Liam, I was uh, working on the intro video that we're going to play before we interview Eric Roberts. I have committed to doing that. And as I was doing it, my wife said, you better have that scene where Eric Roberts humps the American Girl doll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do, right? I do. Of course I, I do. I believe I think we just sold that series to Nick, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2017's Honre, directed by Octavian O, who also directed the film Unforgotten back in 2012. And if you think you know that movie, Unforgotten from 2012, it's a different one. <laughs> so this is the plot. Honre, Honre, was raised in a monastery in the Far East, and now he lives in America, in the Deep South, where his story begins. Mm-hmm. As as he was trained to be, what the fuck? As he was trained to be, trouble always seems to find him. Henri's story is filled with love, action, suspense, and adventure. Sounds like a very interesting movie, but what's really interesting about it is this cast. Not only does it feature Eric Roberts as a character named Jenkins Chesney, <laughs> but it also has the great Robert Lissardo, who also appeared in Human Centipede 3 with Eric Roberts as Sheriff Duncan, and get this, Burt Reynolds as a character named George Duncan. Eric Roberts, Burt Reynolds together. Nick, what do you think? I would watch this movie, I think. I think j- just the idea of Robert Lozardo and Burt Reynolds uh-huh. together <laughs> with Eric Roberts, that's enough to get me to watch it. I will tell you, and this might uh, pique your interest all the more, that Henry from 2017, has a truly wretched poster. <laughs> I was looking at it a couple of days ago. It looks like someone put it together in first-year Photoshop class. Liam, interested in this movie, Henri? 
I mean, I took a blood oath, so I don't think my interest level matters. Your interest level does matter to me, Liam, because even though you are forced to watch it and talk about it with me on this podcast, I like it when you're enthusiastic. It's so rare. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> no, I'm enthusiastic a lot. Come on. Are you? Let's think of the last yeah, time but... you were enthusiastic about an Eric. You know, I, I didn't mean to bring this up now. But it looks like we're going to talk about it. <laughs> when was the last time you were enthusiastic about an Eric Roberts movie? You mean like an upcoming project? No, one that we actually covered on the show. Um, La Cucaracha? Okay, well, that was something like seven or eight or possibly nine <laughs> episodes ago. <laughs> it's not my fault that we're in like not exactly the bright spot. I mean, we I don't know that we have covered something good since la cucaracha that is untrue though i don't remember enough of what we've covered lately to dispute (laughs) i mean i mean that's what i'm saying is that nothing sticks out i feel like the what makes la cucaracha stick out is not necessarily that it's hugely better than a lot of things but it was surprising i didn't know what to expect and it was a surprise um and i just don't know that we've had one of those surprises the last before la cucaracha one of the big surprises was stop by my doctor a movie that i had no reason to assume like i'm going to love this movie and then i really did so um you know that those are those experiences just stick out more than say a oh i don't know King of Queens Season 3, Episode 13. All right, all right. I'm just going to push you aside for a second, Liam. We'll, we, we will be keeping our eyes out for 2017's Henry, spelled H-E-N-R-I. Uh, coming soon to Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Nick, you have graciously agreed to come on to the Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast to talk about two classic Eric Roberts projects. In this case, both from the year 2001. What are we watching today? So, uh, <laughs> The King of Queens, Season 3, Episode 13, Paint Misbehaven. Paint Misbehaven, huh? <laughs> Paint Misbehaven. It's a little play on the uh, classic Ain't Misbehaven, except it's paint. Oh, well, mm-hmm. that makes it a lot funnier, I suppose. Oh, and what else? And what else? Uh, <clears throat> rough Air, Danger on Flight 534. It's a TV movie, Rough Air, Danger on Flight 534 from the year 2001. But first, we're going to take our first break. When we return, episode 13 of the third season of The King of Queens, it's the only appearance by Eric Roberts on The King of Queens. It's an episode called Paint Misbehaven, and we'll be talking about it right after this. Doug is going to throw a paintball party for Deacon. However, Doug becomes angry at Carrie because she finds Deacon attractive. 
Kelly is angry at Carrie because of what she said about Deacon, it all leads up to a climactic battle between friends. It's season three, episode 13 of the classic sitcom, The King of Queens, the episode called Paint Misbehaving. Now, I don't know much about The King of Queens, uh, Liam and Nick. However, my understanding is that it's about a big fat oaf with an attractive Scientologist wife, and he has adventures... Uh, with his friends, and Pat Oswald is there. And at one point, Eric Roberts showed up. Is that correct, Liam? I, that sounds right to me. I wouldn't know. This is a series that ran for nine seasons. was incredibly popular. It was on CBS, the channel where shows run for nine seasons are incredibly popular, and I don't actually watch them. My understanding, and, and Nick, you might know something about this, is that Kevin James has a new sitcom on CBS and because they wanted to recapture the old magic, they killed off the wife on the sitcom and replaced her with Leah Ramini from this sitcom. That is, that is actually correct. Is that crazy? Because that sounds crazy to me. That sounds like the most desperate thing you could possibly do. <laughs> and I think I read a press release about it where they talked about how it was like, we're going to do it in as tasteful a manner as possible. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, it, you're right. It's so transparent and ridiculous that I almost kind of love it. Uh, I can't say for sure that this is my first experience with the King of Queens, but certainly it's the first time that I've watched an episode from start to finish. I think Liam that the only other thing that I really saw of the King of Queens is that there's a clip online of uh, of an episode of this show where Patton Oswalt, the comedian, was on it. And he had some sort of like in-joke with the crew that he was just going to stand in one spot and not move at all for like an entire scene or like an entire – maybe the entire episode. And if you if you watch like clips of it on YouTube, it's actually kind of eerie and both hilarious and weird at the same time. Have you seen that clip? Never. Liam, what do you think about the King of Queens and these kind of CBS sitcoms in general? Um... Now, Liam, I know you are too cool for school. But uh, I mean, oh, sure. keep Definitely. in mind that we have a uh, we have an audience of normal people who probably watch this sort of junk. Well, uh, they can all get fucked because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. this is the worst shit ever. All right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, uh, okay. So I want to say that I'm not above like laugh tracks and shit. And in my head, I have fond memories of lots of comedies from the '80s with laugh tracks and whatever else. But watching this with fucking Kevin James falling all over a hill and being like, <laughs> look at me, I'm a fat guy who's fat and I'm falling and shit. Look how I'm falling. And then the track tells you to laugh. It was unbelievably irritating in a way that I don't remember those sorts of comedies being irritating to me when I was a kid. Um, it probably doesn't help that I haven't watched something like this in a long time. So maybe I'm just sort of not in that zone anymore. I don't know. But this was a rather unpleasant experience. I will say it was a very quick experience. I forgot how short a 22-minute sitcom could actually feel. It seemed to move along at a fairly decent clip, though maybe you don't agree with that, Liam. Moving over to you, Nick. You are our guest today. Uh, Is this your first experience with watching The King of Queens? It is my first experience watching an entire episode of King of Queens start to finish, I think, as both of you. It's also like I've seen I've never watched part of an episode aside from like when there's been like that tag in where it's like whatever the shitty joke is that they're doing over the end credits. (laughs) Uh, Like while I'm waiting for some other show that's in reruns and syndicated to start. 
I haven't watched like an actual like sitcom sitcom like with a laugh track and shit like this in so long. It was like, oh, oh, yeah, (laughs) I fucking hate these. (laughs) Uh, I did have a similar experience. I'm going to say I'm going to be a little bit controversial on this episode of Eric Roberts is a fucking man. I think I like this show more than either of you. Uh, and I am not going to pretend that it's great art. I just grew up watching a bunch of shitty sitcoms. And in the oeuvre of those shitty sitcoms, this one isn't that bad. I mean, this is kind of classic sitcom, almost honeymooners-ish plot, except for the paintball aspect. I guess that's a little bit different. But that kind of central conceit that Kevin James' character, Doug, him and his wife are talking about people that they have crushes on, and his wife ends up saying Doug's best friend is someone that she has a crush on. And then Doug blurts out to his best friend that his wife has a crush on him. Then that guy's wife finds out, and they have to work out their frustrations in a classic game of paintball. Uh, Now, by the way, Eric Roberts is introduced into this because they have uh, one too many people on one of their teams. So Eric Roberts is like the paintball ringer, who I have to admit, at some points, I thought was supposed to be a figment of Doug's imagination. (laughs) (laughs) But was not. He's actually supposed to. And then there's a, I'm going to, you can't see my air quotes now. There's a funny joke where we discover that this uh, Superman of the paintball field is actually kind of a a henpecked cuck when he gets home. Sorry, even saying that makes me feel dirty. Um, But I I did find aspects of this, I wouldn't say I laughed, though I did find it funny, uh, despite what Liam had to say, when uh, Kevin James was rolling all over the place uh, very ineffectively in the paintball game. Look, I know it's the lowest form of humor, but that sort of of, uh, tubby slapstick is something that still tickles my funny bone. Um, I am going to ask you, since you've both been very, very mean to this show, was there anything at all that you enjoyed about it, starting with you, Liam? No. All right. Well, that's simple enough. <laughs> how, about, how about you, Nick? I like the fact that they got as close as they possibly could to the music from Patton without actually using it. <laughs> I think there was a music cue that sounded a little bit like uh, Apocalypse Now, too. It sounded a little bit like The End, which I thought was very strange at one point. Um Okay, I, I, I'm not going to go to bat for the King of Queen to any great extent. I think that everyone involved in it is a very capable actor. Uh, Ricky Lake shows up as um, as Doug's sister in this episode. In, by the way, in a part of the episode that is particularly unpleasant, <laughs> and I don't just mean because she has sex with someone who once spurred her in the past and ends up scoring points on him by kind of ditching him afterwards, that whole setup is kind of unpleasant to me, how it kind of plays out. In the context of the episode. Um, but, you know, I, I think Kevin James is fine for this type of role. But I want to talk about Leah Rumini as his wife. She is a, was, I should say, a very famous Scientologist. Nick, I want you to rank the top three celebrity Scientologists. Are we talking current or former? You know what? I don't want to make it hard on you. Let's go all time. Uh, I would say, like in, in in terms of fame, not in terms of no, like, no, no, personal faves. Like, oh, personal faves. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's a. That, then I would go. I would go. Leah Rumini. Uh-huh. Then, uh huh. Then Beck. Mm. Uh, I, then, I can't believe Beck wasn't number one to be honest. But okay. No, mainly I, Leah Rumini is my favorite because of what she's done afterwards. Well, fair enough. 
that and also literally just before I came down to the basement to do this, my wife told me that evidently the next season of her uh, TV show will not uh, is possibly not going to be about Scientology, but will be in fact be about Jehovah's Witnesses. Sweet. <laughs> so um, that's that's why she is so high in my esteem. Number three, Nick. Uh, and then number three, uh, I'm going to have to go. I can't remember her name. I don't even know if she technically counts as a uh, as a celebrity. But there is a there is a woman who wrote a book about be, like growing up in the, the Scientology and being part of the Sea Org. And it's a fantastic book. And I wish I could remember the title of it. Leah Romini. Beck, mystery woman who wrote a book. That's a hard one to compete against, Liam, but I want to hear your top three. I mean, uh, before Nick said his, the only one I could think of was Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, <laughs> and, number one. And then, and then possibly Katie Holmes, but I assume she probably isn't anymore. <laughs> well, she was at one point. It's all time, brother. Uh, Okay. If I'm really going to think about it, I probably would say Tom Cruise, Isaac Hayes. Oh, nice. See, he forgot Isaac Hayes. Uh, fuck. Who else is into Scientology? Honestly, I don't know. I don't. Look, look, I'll give you, I'll help you out. I I didn't need to help out Nick because he was right on the ball. But here's a couple that might, uh, that might spur your memory. Nancy Cartwright, the voice of Bart Simpson. No, no, thank you. Kirstie Alley from the classic sitcom Cheers. God, no. Yeah, this is the worst celebrity meetup of all time. How about this? Jason Lee. Who's Jason Lee again? He was on uh, My Name is Earl and, of course, was in a number of Kevin's. Oh, Simpsons. really? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Jason Lee. Yeah, definitely. And what about old John Travolta? No, I have. Uh, John Travolta is like a broken clock, as far as I'm concerned. How about Jenna Elfman? No, I don't know who that is. Okay. What? What from? Okay. Anyway, uh, I'm going to throw. How do you know? How do you know all these people are Scientologists? Well, they're not. Jason Lee actually said that he's no longer a Scientologist, but I'm just throwing out a few names to help you out. I here's one. I you, just don't. I just don't keep up with like um, the personal lives and beliefs of celebrities. If you I can should. Help. How else can you know who to spur? Spurn, I should say, unless you know what their uh, personal beliefs are. Otherwise, you might be going to bat for James Woods, and you don't know what kind of scumbag he is. <laughs> Well, but I, I, I feel like it's hard to miss the scumbaggery of James Woods. So three episodes in a row we've been talking about James Woods being an asshole. Like yeah, because he sucks really hard. <laughs> I hope he listens to it. I hope he's like, yo, Eric Roberts, I'm friends with him. I'll listen to this podcast. And then he hears us go, James Woods, you fucking suck. Hey, you like hip-hop music, right, Liam? Love it. What do you think of Doug E. Fresh? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a mild fan. He, he, can, he can beatbox, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. He is a member of the Church of Scientology. That's interesting. I, I'm actually surprised by that one. But, uh, I mean, you know, I don't know. I I, I obviously have no fond feelings towards Scientology per se, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I guess it's fine if people want to do that. That's weird. It isn't, though. I don't know if you saw Glowing Clear, but it is not fine. It is very, No, very it's it's really not fine. I just can't find myself working up that much emotion about uh, Liam, this you know, is something we need to talk about. It seems like you're unable to work out work up much emotion about anything at all. <laughs> that's so that's so funny because I feel like I've been critiqued recently as being too emotional. So now who's been who's been critiquing you about that? 
Uh, probably mostly people on Twitter because I just yell at them. Well, I mean, it's easy to get emotional with people on Twitter, but how about passion? Are you passionate about anything in your own life, your work? Say your young daughter. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, it, it is hard to get as, um, war, you know, sort of intense as I'm known to be about stuff lately because of the lack of sleep. Right. Um, and so the, the I think since Maeve has been bored, I, I guess I probably am a little less intense. But I'm known – I'm actually known by a lot of my friends as being the 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 uh, bummer. Mm. Like I'm the intense yeah. guy who's a bummer because yeah. they just want to have a funny conversation. I'm like, no, but really, guys. And then I like get, get into it. It's I can see how you'd be seen as a bummer. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. Big bummer. Nick, have you ever been to Queens? No. No? Okay. I've been, to, I've been to Harlem, I've been to Brooklyn, and uh, but I've never been to Queens. Well, what qualities do you think it would take to be the king of Queens? Uh, evidently, based on the show, mm-hmm. like you just have to have a very uh, mediocre sense of humor uh-huh. and an easygoing attitude and a solid selection of friends who also tell bad jokes. And he seems to be very uh, uncomfortable in his own marriage, probably because he's married up. Would you say that he married up, Nick? I would say that he's married up to a woman who is obviously more intelligent and attractive than mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Which it's I guess something that can relate. <laughs> it's sort of a cliche on sitcoms where you have these kind of a tubby, unfunny men, and they're married to attractive women. Why do you think that's such a cliche? Is that a is that a fantasy that we're dealing with here, Liam? I assume so. Uh, that's why it happens so much. I think it's also um, not just a fantasy, though. I think that's part of it. It's also this um, idea that, uh, and, and and I don't know if it's still as much of a thing, but uh-huh. the idea being is that um, without the attractive woman, you wouldn't get as many people to watch. Like that, the men are what that that the that female audiences will watch because they like the show, but you might get some men to watch because they're attracted to his wife. Whereas you're less likely to get a show where it's like a funny uh, female comedian who might not fit into traditional ideas about what is or is not attractive with some like fucking nebulous boy toy. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't, that's not as much of the cliche, which is weird. You'd think there would be, it would go both directions just for the sake of making money. What about when Ted McGinley joined married with children? Um, He's a classic uh, slice of beefcake. I would say. I, I mean, I assume that the, the, they can do whatever they want with married with children because they were playing so much off of the fetishization of Christina Applegate. Mm, mm. A lot of that show just rested around making her like uh, an object of desire. Eric Roberts appears on this episode of uh, the King of Queens as a paintball expert i want to get uh, the paintball scenes in this by the way are played very silly i've actually never played paintball uh, i don't know how realistic the scenes are but i imagine that it's probably against the rules to have a uh, fried chicken on the course <laughs> but well usually there's paint involved and there's never any paint in the episode so that was weird there's a lot of sounds of there's guns up there's some yeah there's some paint what are you talking about liam they're running around. There's constant paintball gun noises. There's no paint hitting anything. There's a part where like a bunch of paint hits a wall. I remember it very clearly in my brain, Liam. The scene where they're supposedly ducking, being shot at, no paint goes past them. Right, I'm pretty sure I saw. I, I would agree. I would agree that there is not nearly enough actual paint for the number of shots that are fired. But like, 
Leah Ramini does take it. Yeah, there's that one. That's what. See, that's hey, come on. There's a hey, lot. Hey guys, of, hey guys, let's not argue. <laughs> I'm just saying, as someone who's done paintball before, there's paint fucking everywhere when you do paintball. Dolly. Why are you so committed to telling people about your paintball experience? <laughs> I just it was an important experience. Nick, what did you think of Eric Roberts in this episode of The King of Queens? I think he played the role that I expected him to play. Like he plays like a, like a tough guy who's very much like like focused and driven um and then just seems to the although he comes out of nowhere <laughs> like it seems i i get this feeling that like there we're supposed to know more about him <laughs> like it's very that that was the part that confused me i was like it has he been on the show nope nope no he hasn't like I thought it, like this is like a recurring gag. Nope, but they certainly treat it like one. I mean, he's he's like an archetype tough guy. But you're right; it's like it's missing one scene where it kind of establishes that like he's the king of the paintball court, or you know, it, it he just kind of comes out of nowhere, like you said. And there's no establishing who he is, which is why, by the way, I thought that he may have been a figment of Doug's imagination because they only <laughs> spend time together, and he's basically just giving Doug advice and telling him to man up and all that sort of stuff. Um, Liam, what did you think of Eric Roberts in this role? Well, it, I think he's supposed to play as like a, uh, like a joke in the sense that like you just see him and it's like, Oh, of course it's Eric Roberts. And even though we have an entire Eric Roberts dedicated podcast, I'm not convinced that that joke works. And I especially didn't like that the sort of drawn out punchline at the end, as you said, is he goes home and his wife is like demanding and yelling at him and whatever. That was not my favorite at all. Why is that, Um, Liam? Tell me more about that. Well, I think that that is just yet another example of the show playing off of really dumb sort of gendered stereotypes. I mean, even like the premise of the show that they're out to dinner and then a woman walks in and oh my God, her midriff is showing, which of course at this time, this is the (laughs) sexiest part of any woman is that her belly button. So all of a sudden they see a belly button and they're just like, oh my God. And they are trying to figure out how to like ogle her belly button without their wives noticing. And it's so redonkulous that I just couldn't Christ, even get into it. <laughs> I can't believe you're accusing the star of I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry of being lowbrow. <laughs> not not just lowbrow. I mean, if it was a show that revolved around shit jokes, mm-hmm. I would find that more amusing. I love lowbrow. It's a, this particular kind of lowbrow that I find insulting and just kind of boring. And I feel like they took what was kind of an amusing Eric Roberts thing. Like I said, I don't know if it works for a larger audience because I don't know that people see Eric Roberts and they just think tough guy. It's like they he he it felt like he was a stand in for like Sylvester Stallone or something. You know what I mean? But the fact that then that joke plays out with like he goes home and his wife is really yelling at him and he's a real wuss. Oh, my gosh. I'm just like, oh, good. That's great. I needed more of that in this show. There wasn't enough of it. Fair enough. Well, that does bring us to the most important question of the day, starting with our guest, Nick Spacek. Nick, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in this episode of horrible sitcom, The King of Queens? I would say yes, aside from the stinger at the end. So you were also bothered by that stinger? It seemed the uh, hacky joke. It was very hacky. And it also seemed like 
the show itself thought it was the funniest fucking thing in the world. It seems like they thought it was the high, like, 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 this is so good. This is what we're ending on. Yeah, right. This is it. going to leave you with this scene. You're going to, like, you're going to piss yourself and then you're going to turn off the TV because whatever's on next, <laughs> fuck it. Like, there's no way it's going to be this good. Sorry, Jag. This is where my night ends. <laughs> Liam. You're not going to watch CSI after this. Fuck it. Liam, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in this episode of The King and Queens? I actually really want to say no only because I don't want to have had to watch this episode. Um, and it's let me let me re- more... let me reaffirm something for you, Liam. You are yeah. not giving a a positive critique to the project itself. It's only Eric Roberts. Well, that's what I'm getting there, Doug. You yeah. basically I was just trying to get there a little bit hand. faster since your laconic oh, oh, style. I get to get means I these episodes take you ninety get to fucking talk minutes. All over the place. You've been down every divergent little thing, every rabbit hole. Since I we was focused the directly on the project. <laughs> on what? On what? Um, <laughs> on Eric Roberts, the man who this podcast is about. <laughs> I think. Um, I think even though I I I uh, want to say no, I think I think he does it. He does a pretty good job at what he's supposed to do. Again, the, the that last ending on that note. I mean, maybe if he was like a physically imposing person, then it, the joke would be like, oh, she's smaller and she's yelling at him. Like a Arnold Schwarzenegger comes home and uh, you know a, a young you know a small lady is yelling at him. Like that at least is a visual joke. But this is just like, oh, he pretends to be tough, but. Actually, he's not. <laughs> it's like doesn't really work. It's not funny. It's just kind of annoying. But he still, at least, I feel like um, putting something out there where I don't, I don't get a lot of energy from anyone on the show. The one exception being Pat Oswald, and it still is not enough to justify the rest of the show. I think that's fair enough. So wait, are you saying that he is the fucking man? I gotta go with yeah. I think oh. he really. He took he took seriously his role as like sort of a you know this this functioning role in the show. I like I like seeing Eric Roberts play broad comedy. Uh, we haven't watched a lot of his sitcom work, so uh, I actually enjoyed his performance here. I, I mean, it is very one note, and then that joke at the end sort of does um, spoil it a little. But I, I do uh, for the majority of it, I was glad to have him there. I thought he brought a lot, a nice kind of balancing element to a show that generally I just. I have trouble finding much to enjoy about. So, yes, Eric Roberts is the fucking man on Liam O'Donnell's favorite sitcom, The King of Queens from the year 2001. What's that name again? Paint Misbehaven is the name of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to take our break. When we return, it's the main event. It's Rough Air, Danger on Flight 534. We'll be talking about that right after this.
Having taken the blame for an accident beyond his control, pilot Mike Hogan has been on administrative leave indefinitely. However, when the airplane desperately short of staff... <laughs> sorry. However, when the airline is desperately short of staff, he is offered to be the first officer and accepts without enthusiasm, received with disdain by the well-connected commander. What is this? Surprisingly, his comeback proves less than routine as the captain gets knocked out and a collision as well as a murderer being transported by police require courageous action from Mike, his crew, and several passengers, including soccer star Ty Connor. It's 2001's Rough Air... Danger on Flight 534, uh, directed by John Kasser, or Kasser. Uh, he uh, is also, would actually go on to uh, bigger fame as being one of the executive producers of the TV show 24, which he directed many episodes of. Uh, he was a producer for the first seven seasons of that show. He also directed the classic Assault on Devil's Island with Hulk Hogan, Carl Weathers, and the great Shannon Tweed. Liam, did you know that Shannon Tweed's from Newfoundland like I am? No, I had no idea. Eric Roberts stars as First Officer Mike Hogan. Uh, the film also stars Alexandra Paul, uh, best known uh, from the TV series Baywatch, uh, and a lot of Canadian actors, which we'll get to in just a little bit. Now, if you're wondering about the plot of this film, uh, Flight, sorry, Rough Air, Danger on Flight 534, think of the movie Airplane, except instead of being a comedy, it's played straight, except it's not Zero Hour, which is the movie that Airplane is making fun of. It's a modern movie. It's also a movie that took place before 9-11, so it feels like it takes place in some sort of alternate universe where flying is actually a pleasant experience until something horrible happens. Starting with you, Liam, what did you think of Rough Air? Um, it's interesting. That there's a few things in the film that are very weird to me, um, one of which was the idea that you would take a prisoner sort of on a plane like that. Like, I, I guess that happens, but I've, it just sounds so like insane to me that you would have this, like, we got to get this murderer to this other place. So we're just going to bring him on this. We just got him a seat and coach. Yeah. So we're just going to bring him on and coach. I will say that and the that, weirdest element of that Liam for me was the fact that when he used the bathroom, they took his cuffs off. This is a person going to prison for life has nothing left to lose. Why would you do that? Well, and also, so then he, so then someone has planted a gun in the bathroom for him. Uh-huh. <laughs> How? In what world? Like, I, I mean, again, as you said, this is pre 9-11, whatever, whatever. But I still can't imagine that being a plot point that makes any sense. And maybe it's just I have forgotten what life was like then. Um, there's also the, and you, you knew the whole history of this guy, but the angry British man character. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, he's been in a lot of movies. He was on 24 for at least one season, but he was also, oh, in yes, the Boondock Saints, your favorite movie. I forgot about that. Um, the, the point being is that he feels very familiar to me, but it's also the character is so completely unfamiliar to me in that, um, I've just never seen anyone like this on a plane. Maybe I've been lucky, but you know, when, when I'm having a horrible plane experience, it's because someone took their shoes and socks off or something, you know, something along those lines. Not like I'm so important. Sure. Uh, everyone pay attention to how important I am. Like, I've, I, I don't know. I, it's just, there are little things like that. And then it, it's interesting because there's a lot going on in the film, in a lot of in a lot of ways, but a lot of it's just like <laughs> Eric Roberts is. really intensely holding a, a 
I don't know. It's not a steering wheel. What do you call the thing in the? Yeah, he's holding this flight stick, a flight, and shaking a flight it, stick. so it looks like he's doing something. There's a lot of that. Like it's a lot of the movie mm-hmm. is just him doing that and and quipping, uh, and calling his ex babe, which is was awkward. Um, so it, it, you know, I was trying to get into the tension of it, and I, I just couldn't feel it when it's just a lot of him being like, "All right, okay, that we we need to do this thing and the other thing," and I I don't know. It's it it it, it there wasn't a lot of tension in the movie, and the movies. I think supposed to be tense. I think it is supposed to be tense, but I will say, Liam, any enjoyment I got out of this movie has nothing to do with its tension and how, how emotionally connected I was to that tension. But before I get into my thoughts, Nick, I want to hear your I was thoughts. What did you think of Rough Air? at how much I miss made-for-TV movies. Like, I, I feel like Lifetime's Rice? the only, like place that is still making movies like i'm sure there's probably things on the hallmark channel and things like that but i feel like production values like when they make made for tv like nobody makes made for tv movies anymore because it's cheaper just to get them from other places so you don't have like this weird like just like a bunch of character actors all get like like a really good payday like on a sunday at (laughs) seven you know uh it just seems like they're like you get like your couple of big names, you know, your Eric Roberts, your Alexandra Paul, and then like a lot of uh, character actors that you would see in like other things and like guesting is like the, the, you know, on an episode of Law and Order. I assume half these people have been on an episode of Law and Order, <laughs> uh, at least one version at some point. Uh, but it it's it, like just the 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 straight up it's like oh man we are gonna get like every weird rando character that we possibly can on here it's like we're gonna have like the people who are like they're obviously they're like going snowboarding or something they seem like they're snowboarders i they're 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 sporty and i I, what i love is like there's the dude who just like immediately falls in love with the flight attendant uh and there's like there's the there's the young woman who's behind him the entire like every time and like she doesn't have any lines like she never says a word she just like her only job is to react to him react like like flirting with the the flight attendant and of course he's he's a med student and then there's the then there's the 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 famous soccer player and like his like sort of scuzzy like just like ass kissing agent and then the the drunk businessman and then the 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 guy who is like an engineer or something for the plane and like everybody seems to know him because he <laughs> just got married and I just. And and like the shitty actual pilot who's like I'm on the cover of the magazine. <laughs> there is so like I'm not even going to say two dimensional because that would be like giving way too much compliment. <laughs> but it's so like you know exactly how this movie is going to go before it before it even rolls. Absolutely, and that's what's kind of great about it. Um, like it's it's by no means a a good movie, but like I found myself watching it with like a certain level of nostalgia uh, for a film which I had never seen. It's like putting on a comfortable old sweater. 
right? I mean, again, like you said, this movie is totally predictable from start to finish. They set up every character to do something and you know exactly what they're going to end up doing. But it's, I found it as comforting as watching an old, one of those old airport movies, right? Which obviously was a huge influence on it. Now, the reason I said that Airplane also seemed like an influence is because Eric Roberts plays a traumatized pilot who has a relationship with the uh, stewardess on the plane, and she ends up having to be the co-pilot on it. I mean, all that plays out just like it does in Airplane. Uh, and the fact that they ha- don't have enough... Um, uh, th- they don't have enough awareness of the- these cliches, or maybe they do, or, and they just don't care, that they just go ahead with it anyway and pretend that Airplane isn't a movie that like literally everybody has seen and has laughed at, that they can just kind of lean into these cliches. And I love that. I love that the f- movie is just... Uh, a, a package of cliches all packed together. And the other thing I love about it is that it's a package of Canadian cliches. Now, Nick, you, you suggested that this was uh, a, a film with a lot of supporting actors who may have appeared on Law & Order. But no, they're all Canadian actors. So they've all appeared in tons and tons of CBC projects. And to me, a Canadian, lots of recognizable faces in this movie. Uh, and and uh, including uh, one uh, Darren Jones who uh, he plays one of the cool uh, like snowboarder guys you were referring to. He was an MTV VJ here here in Canada. <laughs> and uh, Carlo Rota, who plays the asshole businessman, he stars in a TV series here in Canada called uh, Little Mosque on the Prairie. That's actually a show, and he stars in it. Uh, one of the one of the you might not have noticed this, but one of the passengers was played by Eliza Roberts, the wife of Eric mm-hmm. Roberts. I'm not expecting you to notice that. We notice these things because we've seen her in dozens and dozens of movies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> she played the mother of... Uh, what, what would you? How would you describe her character, Liam, if you had to tell someone who she played in the movie? I don't know. I, I uh, she Did she have any lines? I don't remember if she had lines in the film. She gets scared. Yeah, uh, I mean, the... I see. I remember there being a shot of her like covering her child during the everything goes wrong scene. All right. Well, I guess we have no way of elaborating on that. She is sitting uh, for those who are Canadian watching it. Uh, she is sitting with her daughter, and to the other seat is Darren Jones, that MTV VJ guy. He also was the star of several TV series here in Canada. So for me, it was it was a real joy. By the way, the uh, Icelandic. Uh, um, Air traffic control person. Do you know who I'm talking about, Liam? Yeah, totally. The what was her name? Oh, Sarah London. Sarah, Sitter. yeah. Well, she's played by Leah Pinsent, and I know her because she's the daughter of the legendary Gordon Pinsent, Canada's greatest actor. I didn't know Canada had any great actors. Well, I, I, I'm shocked. I, and I feel like, <laughs> you, I feel like I'm you said kidding. that just, just to needle me a little bit because, well, Gordon, you know. Gordon Pinsent, also known as the Codfather, is also Newfoundland's greatest export. One of my favorite actors. Oh, okay. I didn't. I actually really don't know who this person is. Did you see the movie Away from Her, directed by Sarah Pauly? No. No. All right. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> what? Find some culture in your goddamn life, please. Hey, look. I I I'm very familiar with the products of Canada. I've seen every David Cronenberg film. Uh, simple. <laughs> I saw. Pin as well, and curtains. Nick, tell me, what is your favorite Canadian... Actually, I'm going to ask you two questions. First, what's your favorite Canadian movie? And then who's your favorite Canadian musician? 
um, in terms of Canadian movies is The Sweet Hereafter. Does that count? Of course. In fact, that features Sarah Polly in the cast, who went on to direct Gordon Pinson in Away From Her. Then I'm going to go with The Sweet Hereafter. Excellent work. Uh, and my favorite Canadian musician. Yes. Uh, does Nico Case count? Like, is she adjacent? She does no, not count. She no. does okay. not. And in uh, fact, it's a little offensive when you have a member of a Canadian band to pick the member that is not Canadian. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, uh, oh boy. Should not be this hard. <laughs> no, no. Well, no, actually, it's hard because I actually know enough Canadian All right. that it's a hard decision. Well, I've given I'm, you so much time to think about it. Uh, Let's let's go with the Sadies as a whole. All right, I'll accept that. Liam, favorite Canadian musician? I don't know that I would. I think I would have to pick a whole band because I don't know the names of like oh the guitar player from this or whatever that. But right. I think I think my favorite Canadian band is probably Career Suicide. Uh huh. Maybe fucked up, but I think Career Suicide. Uh. Yeah, career suicide. All right. Well, no, 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 no. Okay. Left for dead. Left for dead. Well, I didn't want you to have to agonize over the decision, Liam. Liam, of the characters on this plane, which one, aside from Eric Roberts, did you like the most? Now, let me refresh your memory on some of that. We do have the engineer man, uh, the Asian engineer man, the soccer player, the criminal, the criminal's keeper, the sleazy agent. Also another option. The snowboarders. We're just going to call them that. Uh, the rich asshole. And of course we have the stewardess who is from Baywatch. And also her friend stewardess who gets a nasty gash on her head. Which is your favorite, Leo? It's hard to say because I didn't like any of them. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if I had to choose, I think the I think the criminal, because the criminal has that dramatic scene where he's like, does it matter if I say I didn't do it? And the guy's like, no. And then he's like, okay, well, I did it. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was funny. But like, it's funny because earlier you and Nick were sort of uh, agreeing on the idea that like, you know who every character is, you know what they're going to do. And I didn't predict criminal guy going out the hole in the plane. You're, you're absolutely right. And in fact, let's talk about that just briefly. In fact, I'm going to go over to Nick. Nick, can you describe the character arc of the criminal in this movie? Character arc of the criminal, I would say like, he comes on and he's very sullen. And then he's obviously, you know, he gets the gun. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, the, the, his handler gets knocked out and he's trying to get the keys uh-huh. and then he sees you know like the opportunity to go down in the hold as like a, a, a you know he he helps as the uh no i'm sorry he he also gets, it turns out he knows how to fly <laughs> uh, so he gets to be the the, the co-pilot after the captain uh is rendered uh unable uh and then then he goes down in the hold to help try and block the hole and then it turns out he has the gun and like it's this it's a very it's a very erratic it's not an arc by any stretch (laughs) of the imagination it's more like a sine wave it's a very up and down like in terms of it's like he's bad he's good he's bad he's good he's bad he's good uh and then you know he has his he he has his redemption like he has multiple redemptions like he's like he's gonna fly the plane and then then he 
then he's going to like he pulls a gun on somebody and then he like you know ventures out and like he's the one who who knocks the piece of metal loose and, <laughs> and just goes out the plane so just to, just to describe this in a little bit more detail to to listeners there's a hole in the plane and they have a big piece of machinery or something that they can push in front of this hole to seal it off but there's a piece of metal that's blocking it so this killer <laughs> He, he goes down to the hold with some other guys, and he is basically tied to a piece of rope, and he's reaching towards the metal, getting closer and closer, and then he realizes he can't reach it, so he asks them to cut the rope, which, by the way, there isn't a person on the planet watching this movie who thinks he's going to live after that happens. Nobody. <laughs> so then he uh, manages to move, to, to throw away this piece of metal, then the, uh, the, the, the plane rocks slightly, and he ends up falling to his death. Uh, but it was it's complete redemption. Liam, did you feel like he redeemed himself? I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess double murder. Guess, by the way, let's. I guess he that married, was supposed, he, he killed I guess his wife. Was supposed and... to be the point is that he's redeeming himself. But like, even the I, <sighs> there's not enough information there. It's <laughs> there's there's not enough of him. He he barely exists at all, other than like he seems grumpy. Like you know what I mean? Like even the did he kill his wife and and whoever with his partner? Even the scene where he's explaining it, like they really pushed me to the edge. I just I was okay, sure. I guess they pushed you. It's the the I feel like I got more from from engineer guy than I got from killer guy. Killer guy was just such a null point that like the idea that he was redeeming himself. I'm like, I don't know. He's just a dude who does things. None of them make sense. I don't know what's going on. All right. Well, it was, it was the most clear for me when he throws the gun out the hole. (laughs) What? Like that's, there's that whole scene where he just decides, well, I need engineer guy to trust me. So how do I, I'll just throw the gun out the hole. What what is going well, it on? It worked. In this movie? It worked, didn't it, Liam? The, no, the, everything about that was, and I'm not even convinced he actually knew how to fly a plane. Like that whole thing, I felt like he was kind of faking it, and he only just gets in the seat because Eric Roberts is like, get in the fucking seat. I like how there's like a, a quick tease once he goes into the cockpit that he's going to take his gun out and possibly kill Eric Roberts, and later we're just supposed to forget that and be sympathetic to him. <laughs> well, and it, it's not. I mean, I guess that's the thing is that like the it's not clear what he wants to do per se in that moment. And I kind of thought, does he even know? Like, let's say he did kill Eric Roberts. Then what the fuck do you do? Like, this is something I've never understood in any sort of one of these situations. Like, is he going to hijack the plane? How does he hijack the plane at that point? Like, if Eric Roberts is dead, then they're all dead. Yeah, well, we saw a little movie called Bigfoot Meets D.B. Cooper that shows that you can jump out of a plane no problem. I have a question for you, Liam. Where was this plane going? Oh, I don't know. Where was this plane going? I know it was flying out of London, right? Was it? That was supposed to be London where we started? I thought so, because he says, the captain says we have to turn back to London. Nick, is that is that the case as you understand it? That sounds correct. All right. It's weird. That we oh that's right we do have that one British guy at the very beginning, <laughs> so I guess that, that even though that is clearly Pearson Airport in Toronto Canada at the beginning I guess we can all just agree that it was uh yeah so it makes sense I guess that this guy killed his partner and wife in England and they have to bring him back to the United States which is where I guess they're headed but they had right, to stop they, sorry 
Are they flying out of London, Ontario? Maybe they're fl- flying out of London, Ontario. It's very good, Nick. Uh, let's talk about Eric Roberts, the actor in the movie Rough Air. He does play the traumatized pilot. We learn, of course, that uh, the crash that he was a part of was not his fault. The airline made him take uh, basically the fall for the fact that they were uh, using kind of less fuel, low fuel. Uh, but then Eric Roberts uh, rather easily decides that he can uh, can be the co-pilot on this flight. The guy who's actually the pilot is an asshole, as we've established. But Eric Roberts soon takes control, and he remains in control for the rest of the movie. Uh, Liam, what did you think of Eric Roberts' performance in Rough Air? I don't... I think I liked it. I think I liked it because... <sighs> It's it's hard to say because it, it, it's re- kind of ridiculous, but it's also kind of comforting because it's very as sort of Nick described earlier. It's very Eric Roberts. It's right. it's it's very much him. I mean, as we've talked about on the show before, my favorite Eric Roberts is actually squirrely freaking out Eric Roberts yeah. more than like smooth Eric Roberts. And granted, he's anxious. Like there's definitely anxiety. He's not whatever. But you still get a feeling he's like kind of the man in a sure. sense uh, in this particular role. And even like when he's talking to his ex, as I said, the the continual like. It's gonna be all right, babe. Like I'm just kind of like, why though? I, it's just, it's just. Wouldn't this, you want? It, wouldn't you want Eric Roberts to tell you that it's gonna be all right, babe? No, no, I wouldn't. Okay. All right, please continue. Um. Anyway, so I, I think I like it. It, it's just, it feels a kind of weird in this movie. I don't know how well the performance fits the movie, but I also think, um, we get more from him. I feel like we get more of a performance from him just, you know, going over the technical aspects of landing this plane with the air traffic person in Iceland than we get from any of the characters who get to do really hammy things. Like even his co-pilot who's like, you know, I, I this is my plane and I'm going to whatever, whatever. That dude sucks. Like yeah. there's just so many people who are given, in my mind, more to do in the way that they do them. Maybe obviously the movie's about Eric Roberts' character, so – in a sense, he has more, but the way it's written, he doesn't really ham it up other than just being confident and like dealing with the situation. Other characters that have the opportunity to be crazy pants or to do something at least mildly interesting, just are existing. Like they just don't feel like they're bringing much to it. And the only person who is kind of like playing up in a way other than Eric Roberts that I found kind of funny was, you know, angry angry rich guy angry rich guy would definitely was like i'm so angry and rich like that just was his thing the whole time you know uh have you ever seen a movie called the langoliers yes you know the angry rich guy reminded me of bronson pinchot's character in the langoliers very very much so and you know any anyone um in that role like there's a certain vibe that i think both those actors can pull off though um, this particular gentleman, and maybe it's because I, he, as you said, he was in Boondock Saints. He also is physically imposing in a way that Bronson Pinchot could never be in his life. That that actor, by the way, uh, that from Rough Air, the actor Carlo Rota, he also had a cooking show here in Canada, like a food show where he went around cooking. I had no idea. Like I said, I, I recognize him from things, but I don't know anything about him other than this role. This role is to him what this role is to Eric Roberts. You know what I mean? Like, this is a very Eric Roberts role. This gentleman is the annoying uh, rich guy that's felt like he was in his zone. His show was called The Edible Road Show. 
Over to you, Nick. What did you think of Eric Roberts in Rough Air? I thought he was a very smooth operator who mm. dealt with every bump in the sky. I was going to say bump in the road, but uh, every every bit of turbulence that came his way. Um, it, it he I think he there there was a missed opportunity to play with the the possible past issues that he had like but uh, it seems that he he was smooth like he was a badass he you know had uh, had a few moments of doubt at the beginning but i mean past that i think he was a uh, he's a damn cool guy in this film like it I, was a, a film is a little strong word in this movie <laughs> I, he gave me the impression that everything was going to be all right and you know what he brought that bird it was a little rough it was a rough flight but he brought that bird home. He brought it home safe and sound. He even had a little nod of appreciation to the uh, Icelandic air controller who helped him uh, helped him get down safe. What did you think about that moment? I thought that was really great. I, I did think that the end of it came very, very close to being airplane. But Oh, my, yes. It just about goes through a big window. And honestly, I was really pushing for it. Look, all those lives are worth one dude and a big broken window. It seemed like all those people on the ground were like, oh my God, they're going to hit the building. Who gives a shit? It's just a building. They're going <laughs> to save all those lives. One building. Just not worth it. Do you agree with that, Liam? Or do you like buildings more than lives? Oh, I always like uh, lives more than buildings. I did kind of wonder like what that would happen if it actually hit the building, but you know, it would have been fun. There is some fun CG work in this, by the way, which we haven't really touched on. But uh, some of it is hilariously awful looking. Uh, but unfortunately, we did not get a building getting hit by a uh, uh, an airplane. But I will say, if you want to find some really terrific CG work, you should check out that movie, The Langoliers, that we were just talking about a few minutes ago. <laughs> Liam, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in... Let me get the title up again. <laughs> Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in Rough Air Danger on Flight 534? Yeah, definitely. I mean, in in a, in a sense, the probably the only description of his character is the man. It's like that's the one thing his character is at all is the man. So he definitely he definitely fulfills the requirements of being the man. Nick, is he the man or no? Oh, absolutely. Well, then absolutely. Why do, you yeah. should probably say that Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man in this movie. I love hearing that. I will agree. Eric Roberts is the fucking man in Rough Air, Danger on Flight 534. Uh, I actually had a really good time with this movie. Uh, it is definitely ridiculous, very cliched, very predictable. But it's it almost feels like a throwback to those kind of 70s disaster movies, except instead of having a lot of familiar faces, unless you're Canadian, uh, it's a bunch of people you've never heard of. And Eric Roberts, the actor. Uh, we didn't talk at all, by the way, about, um, about Alexandra Paul, who is completely look i she's a let me let me rephrase she's a perfectly reasonable actress who does nothing of note in this movie would you agree with that liam yeah definitely yeah and how about you nick oh yeah okay sorry to dismiss you so readily alexandra paul but you are not the man eric roberts is the man we're gonna take our final break when we return we're gonna talk to nick we're gonna do some plugs and we're gonna say good night Send my 
Episode number 60 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man is in the bag. I want to thank our guest Nick Spacek for taking time at his very busy schedule of podcasting and writing to talk to us about the great, wonderful, amazing actor Eric Roberts. Nick, thanks again. Where can people find your work or yourself on the internet? Uh, you can find From an Inspired By at FromanInspiredBy.com. You can find my everything I write eventually at rockstarjournalist.com where I collect it all. Uh, and you can find me frequently uh, yammering on about things on Twitter at NuthousePunks. You also sometimes write for Cinepunks.com. Is that correct? I do. I, I frequently write for Cinepunks.com. But, but instead of going there, you should go to what was again Rockstar Journalist? Rockstarjournalist.com. All right. So go there, not Cinepunks.com. That's good to know. Sorry, did you say what your Twitter name was? It is Nuthouse Punks. Nuthouse Punks on Twitter. Well, of course, link all of that in the show notes. Liam, I've heard that we shouldn't go to Cinepunks.com. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, just go to Rockstar Journalist. There's no reason to go to Cinepunks.com. Skip the middleman. That's what I said. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, No, everyone should go to Cinepunks.com all the time, constantly, every day, nine times a day. Do it. Go, go, go. They can also find you on Twitter. Isn't that correct, Liam? Usually it's just you retweeting things that I posted. It's almost like you're clever, except you're just living through my own cleverness. I mean, yeah, on the occasional times where something out of the 500 things you post a day is actually like it gets a giggle out of me. Um, yeah, I like to re- I like to retweet it. I you know, I want to support your brand. I'm up to lifting you up, you know, you're one of the few good eggs up there in uh, Canada land and you know, I just think people should know about you. A rising tide lifts all boats, Liam. I don't know what that means. I don't understand ship making or mm-hmm, wayfinding. Mm-hmm. That's not really my thing. Well, my um, people know all about it. But really, the metaphor is supposed to suggest that me being popular helps you because by being in my general vicinity, you will also be made popular. I don't think that's true. I'm not convinced. I would like, actually, for people who like this podcast and who also listen to any of my other podcasts to hit us up because I'd like to know what the Venn diagram is of that that group of people. I would also like to know if you are a listener of No Budget Nightmares and Eric Roberts is the fucking man, why don't you hit me up so I can crush Liam's numbers with my yeah, own. No one likes you. <laughs> it's true, yet here they are listening to my voice. What do you think? Yeah, that's true. You're very charming. On At, at least in this format, you're very charming. You can find Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules, R-U-L-Z. Isn't that correct? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine? What do you mean by that? <laughs> I mean, come on. The people don't need to follow me on Twitter. It's not Follow Liam on Twitter because you get a filtered version of my own Twitter feed through him. <laughs> oh, my God. And you get cute pictures of his kid. You do. That is true. The, mm-hmm. the Maeve pictures are actually worth the price of admission. Should listeners follow you on Facebook, Liam? Is that too far? Yeah, don't ever contact me on Facebook. Don't even look at me on Facebook. Like, just keep it to yourself. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. You can find uh, no, sorry. You can find Eric Roberts is the fucking man over at EricRobertsIsTheMan.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. There's also a Facebook group. Just do a search for Eric Roberts is the man on Facebook. You can also check out my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, over at NoBudgetPodcast.com. We recently posted our hundredth 
episode spectacular, which ended up running four hours and 45 minutes, which is way too long for any podcast, and I get that, but we had a lot of, uh, of territory to cover. Four interviews, one film, a list of our favorite episodes and least favorite movies covered. Go over to nobudgetpodcast.com and check that out. But with that said, it's time to close up the Eric Roberts bag for another week. We'll be back soon with two more Eric Roberts classics. Thanks again, Nick. Thank you, Liam. It's time to say goodnight. Good night. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.